it was not, Killian Bapp would like you to know, about the money. True, it might look, to the childlike, the innocent, the uninformed, as if he has spent playing Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain off one another, in order to drive up his value, and elicit the most lucrative contract possible. But that, rest assured, is just an illusion. Money, in fact, barely came into the negotiations, certainly with Paris Saint-Germain. In Kylian Bapp's telling, that particular subject appeared only at the end, there were a few minutes of discussions about how much he would be paid, he said, but there were many months picking over the precise nature of Paris Saint-Germain's sporting project. Quite, what shape that project takes is not yet clear, of course. Kylian Bapp has denied that the three-year deal he signed includes a set of clauses that guarantee he has a veto, in effect, over various appointments at the club, ranging from managers to sporting directors to players. Whether the clauses are written down hardly matters, it is inconceivable that any club would make the sort of financial commitment Paris Saint-Germain has made to Kylian Bapp and not run crucial decisions past him. Lionel Messi enjoyed similar influence at Barcelona. That is the privilege afforded to the world's best players. It does not, though, indicate that there has been quite so much of a shift in Paris Saint-Germain's sporting project as Kylian Bapp might want to believe. For the past 10 years Paris Saint-Germain's policy has been to hire extravagantly gifted superstars at eye-watering costs and cater to their whims. There are countless stories about Neymar's occasionally laces fair approach to training. At least one coach found that his squad did not, deep down, agree with him that it might need to press its opponents. Paris Saint-Germain has fostered an indulgent, individualistic ethos, with little or no thought for structure or system, and that has, ultimately, prevented the club realizing its greatest ambition, winning the Champions League. To break with that, Paris Saint-Germain's plan appears to be to retain an extravagantly gifted superstar at an eye-watering cost and cater to his whims. And the cost is eye-watering Kylian Bapp will pick up at least $75 million in salary over the course of his contract, after taxes. There is a $125 million golden handshake to sign on. Factor in the roughly $200 million Paris Saint-Germain turned down from Real Madrid, and the deal has cost Paris Saint-Germain $400 million or so. It is easy, now, to be dazzled by money in football, to feel inoculated against the sport's excess. There are after all, just so many zeros. After a while, the number ceases to offend, creeping higher and higher until it seems arbitrary to draw a line. Why is $25 million a year too much, but $15 million a year acceptable? And the figures start to blur into incomprehension. But they do matter in the end, and they matter, because of what follows in their wake. Money in football, is not really about money. The players do not genuinely believe, that they acquire those extra few hundred thousand dollars, because otherwise they will be bereft. Yes, they generally, and understandably, want to maximize their earnings from a brief career, but their motivations are often more rooted in power, and status, and worth. The problem with the Killian Bapp deal. Every time the salaries of the superstars rise, they slowly but surely drag everyone else's with them. Paris Saint-Germain will be able to cope with that, of course. When Killian Bapp's teammates appear asking for improved terms in light of the new normal. Even $400 million is not a figure that will rattle the nation-state of Qatar. And perhaps its peers among Europe's elite will be fine too, when Mohamed Salah or Kevin De Bruyne or Vinicius Jr. or Pedri start their next set of negotiations by using Kylian Bapp as a starting point. But further down the food chain, there will be a problem some clubs will swallow the extra cost of retaining talent, with all the risk that entails. Others will choose to cash in and sell on, further entrenching the divide between the aristocrats and everyone else. The statement released in the aftermath of Kylian Bapp's decision by Javier Tibes, the outspoken president of La Liga, was a strange one, fermented almost entirely from sour grapes. 
his central tenet that the best way to protect everyone from competitive imbalance was to introduce more of it to the competition he runs fell somewhere between craven and hypocritical. And yet, under all of that, Tebas has a point. It is dangerous for salaries to be artificially inflated by clubs with no constraints whatsoever on their finances. It does pose a threat to the health of football as a whole. It is, in certain lights, not entirely dissimilar to the basic problem of the Super League. The issue, of course, is that there is nobody, nobody at all, who is prepared to do anything about it. Tebas was not the only executive to be provoked by Mbappe signing into making a slightly odd statement. His League One counterpart, Vincent Labrun, responded to Tebas by reminding everyone that both Real Madrid and Barcelona have been found to have benefited from illegal state aid. Al-Khalafi himself took the unusual stance of suggesting Tebas was concerned that League One might catch La Liga, simultaneously misunderstanding that worrying about that sort of thing is the essence of Tebas' job, and apparently denigrating the league that both his club and his broadcast network, Bean Sports, have done so much to subsidize in recent years. None of this was quite so strange as Emmanuel Macron, the French president, intervening to persuade Mbappe to stay in Paris, Macron is a sincere and passionate Marseille fan, and should presumably love nothing more than to see Mbappe disappear to Spain, along with most of his teammates. That all of them could see no further than their own agendas was neither surprising nor outrageous. Tiba's role is to promote and protect La Liga, just as Al-Khalafi's role, or one of them, at any rate, is to act in the best interests of Paris Saint-Germain. And it is, without question, in the best interests of Paris Saint-Germain. Not only to hoard as much talent as possible, but to make it incrementally more difficult for all of its rivals to keep up. What is more disappointing is that there is nobody, anywhere, who appears willing or able to confront these issues, not from the perspective of an individual club or a specific league, but with the interests of the sport, the industry, in mind. What is good for Paris Saint-Germain? Or Real Madrid is not necessarily in the best interests of the game as a whole, Football is crying out for someone in a position of influence to say that, but they remain conspicuous by their absence. The most obvious candidate, UEFA, that has abandoned its responsibilities. It is UEFA that has forgotten that for football to function in good health, it has to be treated as a collective endeavor. If it is not, it risks being fractured beyond repair, the golden goose, sold off to the highest bidder by a handful of teams, and that description fits both Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain, and, now, by a single deal, one act of vanity and bravado by a club that refuses to allow anything to stand in its way, whose vision for the future is that everywhere should be Paris, for whom it really is not about the money. Because when you have enough of it, money is meaningless, and there are so many zeros that it loses all sense at all. Remember to follow Golia by hitting the follow button and slapping a 5-star review on the show or tapping the love icon. Let's get to 1 million followers and tune in daily for new episodes.